I'm Amy Jo Martin. Welcome to the Why Not Now show. You know that thing you've been thinking about doing? Yeah, that one. Why not now? Have you ever actually taken the time to ask yourself, what's stopping me? Let's talk it through. This is your chance to give that idea the attention it deserves and take action. Each episode, I have a chat with a fascinating person from entrepreneurs to athletes, celebrities, my parents, rocket scientists, and all walks of life. We talk through a critical time when they've asked themselves, why not now? We dissect that day or even that moment, step by step. Michelle Poehler is a professional fear facer, but she hasn't always been. From the time she was a little girl, Michelle was afraid of the world. She was scared of dogs, dreaded doctor's appointments, and even missed dinner parties if it meant that she had to drive at night by herself. It all changed when she moved to New York City and launched a project called 100 Days Without Fear. In this episode, we talk through the crazy fears Michelle tackled, and she shares her learnings about fear. Now, she's the founder of Hello Fears, and she speaks to all types of audiences about her findings. She's encouraging the world to fear less and do more. Before we get started, I want to tell you about my partners at Design Pickle. You know when you're in a pickle because you need a design, but you don't have the time or maybe even the skill to do it yourself. Many of us have been there. Design Pickle has been a lifesaver for me. Here's how they're set up. You pay a flat rate monthly fee of $370, and you're given a dedicated designer for all of your needs. You heard that right. Unlimited graphic designs, unlimited requests, and the first 14 days are risk-free. You get a full refund if you cancel in the first two weeks. Why not now listeners like yourself get 30% off their first month, which means you only pay $259 for your first month at Design Pickle. You can go to designpickle.com forward slash why not now to redeem the offer. For me, the process has been painless and ego-free. In fact, many of the posts you're seeing on my social media channels were created by my buddies at Design Pickle, specifically Jacob at Design Pickle. That's what's cool is that you get a dedicated designer. I'm on a first name basis with my designer. A mentor once said to me, just because you can doesn't always mean you should. Do what you're uniquely qualified to do. Design Pickle helps me do just that. So your first month is only $259. Go to designpickle.com forward slash why not now to redeem the offer. Michelle, welcome to the show. How are you? I'm great. Thank you for having me. Good, good. I'm, I'm excited to have you. And um, I talk through the last couple of years and, and hopefully if it isn't within your answer to your why not now moment, it will we'll bring it out for sure. And I'm, I'm sure it will be in some context, but can you think of a time when 
you had to ask yourself, why not now? Sure. So when I was doing my master's in branding here in New York at the School of Visual Arts, I got a one in a lifetime like type of assignment. I was commissioned to start a 100-day project of my choice. So everybody in that class had to pick one thing that they were going to do repeatedly for 100 days in a row. And since the time we start this program in the fall, we know that this is coming in the spring. And we're always thinking about what are we going to do for this project. It's a big deal. And the, um, the professor, who's Debbie Millman, she said, do not think about your 100-day project until we get to that point. And we would obviously not even, you know, pay attention to that. And we were always, oh, what if I do 100 days of eating at different restaurants or watching 100 movies or creating 100 logos or who knows, all these ideas. So... When the time came, I was already uh, living in New York for the past six months or so, or maybe eight months already. And what happened is that I realized that you can't live in this city if you're not uh, willing to face your fears and going and willing to go outside of your comfort zone. So that was my why not now moment when I said, you know what? I thought this project was going to be something fun and artsy, probably something that I can create a portfolio piece out of this so I can later apply to um, you know, companies or agencies and show off my branding skills or my graphic design skills. But in that moment, I realized that it was the perfect time for me to face all of my fears and have this kind of accountability you know, that the entire class is doing this project. Uh, we will have a grade after it. Um, so that was the moment where I said, I'm going to face all of my fears. And actually, I, for the longest time before starting the project, I was like, no, you know what? Maybe this is not the right project for me. Maybe I'll do something else. What if I do um, 100 emojis? I was thinking <laughs> all these things. But my friends and my family and mostly my husband were like, stop it. You need to face your fears. It's now or never. So uh, I had to do it. <laughs> so I started doing it and I started facing one fear a day for the next 100 days. And it was not easy, not only because obviously facing fears is not easy, but the fact that I was working full time while I was facing my fears. And I was also doing my master's in branding at night every day. Oh my gosh. <laughs> that's, uh, that's a lot. And it's also emotionally a lot, not only to fit into your day, but your 24 hours, but let's, let's go back. So you, you talked about living in New York and how you, you can't really survive without facing your fears there. Um, and, and I get that having not necessarily lived in New York, but I've spent a lot of time there. What was the, was there something that happened in New York when you moved there that you realized this or is there something that really sticks out in your mind that allowed you to realize, okay, we need to tackle 
the 100 day project from a fear standpoint? Yeah, many things. So first thing is that when I think of my first memory of New York, I think of fear. So I remember the first day we got here, we had to go to our jobs. Um, we, Me and my husband, we both, both got transferred from the Miami office to the New York office in our separate jobs. So it was the first day we didn't even have a, a house to live or anything, but we had to go that day to work. So we hopped on the subway and he was in one subway and I was in the other one, but right across from each other. And he was like, he was like, this is it, Michelle. Okay. I hope you get to your, you know, <laughs> agency. All right. And I was like, no, please go with me. And then you go to yours. And he's like, uh-uh, no, no, we're not doing this. You, you have to face this fear. So I was shaking in the subway and then it was only like one or two stops. <laughs> And I got there and I was like, oh, this was not so bad. But that's literally my first memory of New York living here. And just like that, I started facing fears that they're not even optional, that you have to face in order to just live in the city. Also, I was going every day to school from 6 to 9 or 10 or 11 p.m. sometimes. And after that, I would have to go home by myself. And I was so scared every single day. And those are, as I'm telling you, um, not optional fear. So fears I actually had to face in order just to live my life normal. But when it comes to optional fears, like things that you can actually say no to, I was just saying no to everything. So for example, after um, my class, my friends would say, oh, let's have a drink. And I'm like, no, it's already 10 p.m. I should go home. It's already late. Like start coming up with all these fears in my mind and just saying no to everything. So what I realized is that I was missing out constantly on, on experiences and opportunities, on friendship, on life. And I was missing out on New York, basically. And this was my dream to live here. So that's when I said, you know what, living inside of your comfort zone in New York, that's a no-no. It's, yeah. So does this track back to your childhood, I'm guessing? Like, have you kind of always had a, a resistance toward certain mm -hmm. things? Have you kind of, yeah, is this something that's been, I'm imagining, percolating for a while? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So for example, the way I see it is that, well, I was born in Venezuela, in Caracas, and when you are living there, you're not very like um, encouraged to go so much outside of your comfort zone and face fears because it is a very dangerous country. And it's funny when people ask me, like, so you came to New York to face fears, but you are from Venezuela? And I'm like, yeah, actually, it is very scary to live there and it's very dangerous. So you do want to uh, stay kind of in your bubble in order, you know, to be safe. You don't want to just go out there and try all these crazy things because you can actually get killed kidnapped doing anything so living there I was as I said as I was saying in my bubble and not you know having this urge to face any kind of fears and that was all right and from there I moved to Savannah Georgia which is a small town and you feel very like protected by the school I was going to SCAD the Savannah College of Art sure. and Design yeah, I yeah. actually gave it. I got to visit a while back, and I gave a talk. And what a beautiful campus and cool, cool, uh, just environment. 
That's cool. Yeah, I'm so glad you went. I love it. I'm in love with Savannah. I spent the best four years there. But you don't really need to go outside of your comfort zone to, you know, have fun or, or live life. Like, I don't know. You feel it still you're kind of living in this Savannah bubble, and it was nice. And from there, I moved to Miami, which is a very comfortable place to live. Like, it's still, you don't need to face fears. You need to go outside of your comfort zone. People are very comfortable living, uh, the environment, the, uh, the vibes, the weather, everything is pretty comfortable. So the things I was missing out, for example, it was that I was scared to drive by myself and mostly at night. So I would miss out on events that would happen at night that I would have to go by myself. So that was the most that I was missing out because of my fears. But when you move to New York, you either embrace this city and are willing to face fears and, and go outside of your comfort zone, or you're not really here enjoying what the city has to offer. I've been living with this my entire life, but when I arrived to New York is when I realized and it, how, how it was affecting me. We're going to take a quick break, and we'll be right back with Michelle. We tackle the most taboo topics on the Why Not Now show. Oftentimes, you're hearing guests share things they've never shared before. In the spirit of things we don't typically talk about, you should know that the Why Not Now show is supported by Poopery. Yep, the original before-you-go toilet spray. It's magic. My friends at Poopery have literally taken the smell out of you-know-what. This pure blend of essential oils stops bathroom odor before it begins. Visit Poopery.com. And Why Not Now listeners get 20% off with code WHYNOTNOW. That's all one word. Also, you can now get poopery at Target. Let's talk about some of those 100 days. And what did you do? You know, I, I've seen some of the, um, the fears that you over, would overcome. But uh, let's talk about the first few. How did you decide what to do with these 100 days? And by the way, it's such a cool project. Like Everybody should have to do this. But um, yeah. So let's talk through, I've seen you like in your bathing suit or underwear in the subway system. I've seen, you know, all these things. Um, how did you decide what to do? And can you name off a couple of the, the top things? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So <laughs> when I started it, I thought it was going to be really easy to come up with the 100 things to do. I was like, oh, that should be so easy and fast. Like I have thousands of fears. But then when I started to actually write them down, I could only write 20 things and that's it. And I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> no, I have to find other things. I, I'm doing this 100 day project and this was before starting it. So I wanted to have a plan moving forward. But when I realized that I couldn't come up with fears on my own, because what I realized is that you don't necessarily think about the things you're afraid of um, because you are constantly trying to come up or think about things that you do like, like things you want to do, things you enjoy, things that make you happy, but not things that scare you. You kind of try to put that aside in your mind. So I went to Facebook and I asked my 1,000 plus friends to suggest ideas. And I had around 70 comments and they suggested really creative things and great ideas that I put into my list. Not all of them, of course, because I would only do the things that I am scared of. So for example, I'm not scared of heights. 
and closed spaces and all these things that people suggest. And I said, okay, I can't relate to that. But for example, posing nude is one that a friend suggested. I would never in my life would have come up with that, like posing nude for a drawing class, obviously not for the world. But <laughs> still, those those things that... That's a biggie, you, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're like, what? How? My first reaction was like, no. And when I react like that, I know I have to do it. Like, you just know. Like, when you react like intensely, like, no way, then that is something you should definitely do. <laughs> so that's the way I see it. <laughs> so were there, was there kind of two steps, two levels of why not now? First, you had to make the decision to have this be your 100-day project because you could have selected anything. And then, and then you had the next filter of agreeing with yourself or talking yourself into posing nude or XYZ. Um, once you made the first, was it easier then to accept that some of these are going to be out there and you're going to have to just almost use why not now and this project to justify doing it? Or how did how did that work in your mind? No, yeah, you're totally right. And actually, I don't know if you've seen it, but I created design some t-shirts while I was doing the project that they, they'd say, if not now, when? Which is very similar to yeah. why not now. And that is the question that I would ask myself before facing these fears. Like, seriously, if I don't do skydiving now, when am I going to do it? Um, because I felt that that was the perfect moment for me to face my fears because of many reasons. First, I I am married and I have the support of my husband who's like saying, let's do this together. I'm going to be with you. I'm going to help you in every step of the way. I'm going to support you. And that's awesome. But at the same time, we don't have kids. So I don't have any life depending on me. So I was like, this is a perfect moment for me to do all these kinds of crazy things because I know that when I have kids, I will have a harder time saying yes to these things. Mm -hmm. And also I was 25 at the time or 26. Not, I can't remember. I'm 28 now. So it was two years ago. It's probably 26. And, um, I was like, I'm still pretty young. I have my entire life ahead of me. I, I want to live a life that is fulfilling that I feel like I, I am living in this moment, like in the moment. And, uh, and I'm in New York. What this is the perfect mm -hmm. place for mm -hmm. me to do these random things. For example, when I um, did the, the the challenge where I was walking around the subway in my bikini, you think people would pay attention to this, but not really, or not in New York. Like if I do this anywhere else, everybody would be like calling the police. Like this, there's a crazy woman walking around. But in New York, no one cares. So it's actually a good place for you to just do all these things and understand that actually no one cares. What a takeaway. What an awesome takeaway is that people don't care about what you're doing as much as you think they do, but also just a bit of a green light. To, yeah, to one of the one of the challenges that I sh that also made me think about this, also in the subway, by the way, is when I decided to ask uh, for money in the street. Like I I'm not even prepared for this, so I I didn't dress like homeless or anything. I was just dressed as myself, but I uh, sat on the floor in the subway and I put a sign saying can't 
angels wear Prada too, or something like that. So I was asking for money to buy Prada shoes and everybody would just ignore me. They would not even look at my sign or look at me. They see someone in the floor with a cardboard box open and they ignore you. And at first I was like feeling very rejected and I was like, come on people, just read the sign. It's really funny. But after a while, I started actually feeling great. Everybody was ignoring me. I could just be in New York observing everyone and just looking around without anyone looking at me. And it felt even nice. What a great place to to take this on. So you're doing these every day. And do you, do you find yourself raising the bar a little bit as you were going? And second part to that question would be, did did you find it got easier? So like the fears, they're so different from each other that it, you can't just categorize them and say, oh, I'm facing fears again, because each one is completely different. So going on a roller coaster, getting a piercing, um, driving by myself at night, getting a Brazilian wax, you can't say, oh, so I jumped off the plane, so the Brazilian wax shouldn't hurt that much. <laughs> no, <laughs> you know, but what happened throughout time is that I realized how I started to build sort like this confidence and in the way that it was never as bad as I thought the fear was going to be. So every time I was going to face a fear, I was like, this is the worst one. I know it. I know this is not going to go well. And then I do it and nothing happens. In fact, I most of the times got uh, a nice experience out of it. And I was like, oh, okay, that wasn't that bad. But the next one, oh my God, I'm going to die tomorrow. And then same thing. And it was every day like that. So it got to a point that I'm like, okay, Every day, I think it's the worst fear. And then again, I, I realized that it's not. So that gave me the confidence to keep going and think, okay, maybe it is not the worst fear. And I just have to do them and then evaluate and say, okay, which one was actually the worst fear? And I can't say that one was the worst one because they were never as bad as I expected, expected them to be. And I think expectations play a big role in terms of fear. Because fear is all about the expectation, not the actual action that you're doing. Huge, huge. And I saw your list of categorizing, I I think, different types of fear is basically what you were saying. But didn't you net out to only a few things that this really came down to? So whether it was skydiving or walking Mm -hmm. through the subway in your bathing suit or in your underwear, you were able to come up with a with a bucket <laughs> that mm-hmm. for each and yeah. what were those and how did you arrive at that yeah so as I was facing these fears um around I, I don't know it was halfway through the project I realized that many of the fears felt very similar to each other so even though I was doing 100 and they were all different actions some of them felt very similar. For example, whenever I went to get the piercing and whenever I did the Brazilian wax and whenever I went to donate blood, all of those three felt the same kind of fear. So I put them together in a group that I called pain. And I was like, oh, okay, I'm afraid to feel the pain. But I know it's more about the anticipation of feeling the pain that it it is actually about the pain. So I was like, what other buckets can I create? So I put... Uh, seven buckets together, like rejection, 
um, embarrassment, loneliness, danger, disgust, control, and well pain. So in control, so it was a, a nice nice thing that I did halfway through the project because then I was able to say, oh, you know what? I haven't done many fears um, in the loneliness area, and I know I'm very afraid to be by myself. So let me do more fears in that area so I can, you know, gain more confidence whenever I am by myself. And I still do that a lot. For example, uh, last year during the project, I faced uh, fears in that area, like traveling by myself to DC from New York. So that was like a two day trip or going to a theater by myself, to the museum, by myself, doing all these things by myself. But this year, even though I was not doing the project anymore on my birthday I decided to spend my birthday by myself and do all the things I love doing and it was an amazing birthday so even though the project is done I still face these fears and I still kind of categorize them in my mind. I imagine it's I wouldn't say addictive but I imagine it's something that you seek out to maybe do, I'm guessing, because of how you feel after. Is there a, almost an, not an adrenaline, because some of these aren't necessarily adrenaline, maybe maybe they all are, I don't know, um, focused, but is there a sense of just relief and accomplishment and overcoming that becomes a little bit addictive? I think that the first thing or the main thing that I look for when I do these things is I look for experiences. So I feel that our life is made out of experiences and the more experiences that you have, the better quality of life you're having, like the more fulfilled or fulfilling life that you're having. So I think I spent my entire life avoiding fears. So I was avoiding uh, these real experiences that um, make you feel so fulfilled. And that's how that's how I see it now. Like every time I have an opportunity to face a fear, I know I will be creating an experience, a moment that I will remember forever. So whenever I say no to something, I even have my husband saying, Michelle, think of the experience. Remember, we will remember this moment if you say yes. But if you say no, this will be just one more day in your life that you will forget about. So it is all about building memories and experiences. So that's why I think I like to face my fears now on more of a daily basis. Very cool. Very cool. So I see, you know, you, you've spoken at uh, Facebook at a lot of different companies. When you go in to talk to people that, that work for these brands, what is the key takeaway? Like, how do you relate this to work environment? Yeah, so that has been definitely a challenge. Um, at first, I'm not going to lie, I felt like an imposter most of the times because I'm talking about pursuing your passion, living life to the fullest, you know, uh, doing the things that makes you that make you happy and not anyone else. And I, in for example, in my case, I quit my job to pursue this, and then my husband quit his job to to help me build this movement and work together on this. So whenever I was hired to speak at companies, I was like, I don't know, I feel my give them the impression that they will have to quit their jobs in order to be happy. But then I realized that many people are actually very, very happy 
working other companies and creating impact where they are. So, for example, companies like Google and Facebook, they're making real change in the world and they're very proud and happy to do so. So I just try to encourage them to be their authentic self at work, which is a challenge I know many people face. And for example, when I spoke at Facebook, I talked a lot about the imposter syndrome, how when you're surrounded by like so many intelligent, capable uh, peers, then you kind of feel like you're not qualified enough to be there. And they all very much agree to that. And mm -hmm. so I want... I, One of the things I talk a lot about is owning who you really are instead of trying to become someone else. Because we're always thinking, I'm not as intelligent as that person, or I'm not as pretty as that person, or I'm not as funny or clever. But if you stop thinking about comparing yourself to others and start thinking, what do I have to offer, then... Um, you'll be able to present your, yourself to the world in a way that is completely ownable and that it doesn't make you feel like an imposter in any way because you're just being who you really are. And I am inspired by the book The War of Art by Stephen Pressfield. In there he says, in this lifetime, we, it's, this lifetime is not about finding who we are ought to be who we imagine we ought to be but to trying to figure out who we already are and become it and I love that I love the become it part of it because it is true sometimes you know you're this and this and that but you're not trying to become that and then you're not owning it and then if you don't own it then who are you who mm -hmm. are you trying to become exactly exactly so rapid fire round of questions here favorite book and what are you reading right now So <laughs> I'm not a big reader. I'm now very much into Audible and I'm listening to the, books now. Fair enough. But fair <laughs> enough. A lot of people are. <laughs> yeah. The thing is that I listen to so many at the same time. I started the Amy Poehler one, um, mm -hmm. Yes, Please, at the same time that I'm reading or let's say listening to Originals by Adam Grant. Mm -hmm. I know you interview him. I'm such a big fan. Um, Brené Brown, Rice and Strong. I decided to read that one first because it's uh, her own voice telling you the, the story. Yes. And I love that. Yeah. Um, so those three I'm, I'm listening to. I'm also reading Untangled to learn a little bit more about teenagers And let's see, my favorite book. I have a hard time coming up with one. Let's say The War of Art for now, the one that I mentioned mm -hmm. by Stephen Pressfield. It really inspired me in many ways, and I think everybody should really read that book. So good. Good answer. I'll definitely gonna check it out. And what keeps you up at night? Oh my God. I don't want to say it, but it's coming up with the next idea. I'm always trying to think, even though I'm like enjoying what I'm doing now. But Um, inside of what I'm doing now, I'm always thinking, how can I make things better and, and improve what I'm doing? Um, I love to create content. So I'm always trying to think about the next piece of content that I'm going to produce, either if it's a medium piece, a podcast, um, a video, or just a simple Instagram post. I'm always thinking about that. You do very well, too, by the way. I love following you. And we'll make sure that I... Uh include links that are in the show notes to, to allow other people to easily find you. Pirates or ninjas, who is tougher? 
Oh my god. Okay, let's say ninjas. Ninjas, huh? Why do you think? I feel that pirates rely on weapons and ninjas rely on their body and their movement. So I would respect more someone that can defend themselves with their own body and not having to rely on sword or, you know, all those um, weapons that pirates have on their ships. <laughs> Very wise. I like the depth and the thought <laughs> that went into that. No, it's good. I haven't had that answer before, but I'm thinking about editing together all of the answers to just that one question because sometimes there's no backup whatsoever and people are just very confident in their answer and that's it and that's fine. That's great. And so and then you have these deep answers and it's it's just it tells you something about a person. I think it gives you a little <laughs> insight into the way their mind works. Um, totally. This last question will be probably pretty easy for you because you have started a whole content series around it. But um, what advice would you give to your younger self? And and you can choose which age that might be. And in some cases, it's every age for people. But how would you answer that one? So I think that the biggest advice I would give my younger self is to have more experience, like say yes more often than you say no. Because I was so used to saying no to every um, single opportunity that came my way. I missed out on so many things. And I really regret that. I can, off the top of my head, think about at least 10 experiences that I missed out. Like big ones, trips, you know, adventures, um, opportunities to be part of groups. Things that I just said no because it was more comfortable that way. Have you read, that's a great answer, have you read Shonda Rhimes' book? Yeah. <laughs> and are you a fan of it? I picked it up and I started it and I know I'm late to the game, but like many books, I I start and I, I need to pick it back up. Should I? Yeah. Okay. I Okay. I recommend you listen to it on Audible because it's her voice. Oh, okay. Good. It's so great. So great on Audible. I loved it so much. Yeah, definitely. And it's the same advice I would give myself. The year of yes. Come on. I love it. I love it. This has been awesome, and thank you so much. I, I, I'm excited to kind of follow and see, you know, where else you take this, and your content is it's super fun and thoughtful, and it's refreshing. I was just watching one of your YouTube videos earlier, your new ones, and um, cool. you have such a great knack for production, too, so props to you, and your husband is probably involved in that as well, it sounds like, so yeah. <laughs> it, it takes a lot of work, but... Um, there's a lot of stuff out there that isn't as enlightening. So we need it. We need more of your stuff. Oh, thank you. I'm so glad you're enjoying my content. I will keep doing it for sure and keep following you as well because I really enjoy what you do. Likewise. Thanks for being inspiring and coming on the show. And we'll talk to you soon. All right. My pleasure. everyone. Thanks for listening to the show. Hit me up on social media to let me know what you think. I'm at Amy Jo Martin on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn. And I want to hear your why not now moments so I can share them on the show. Just send me a note to why not now at amyjomartin.com. For show notes and other offers, you can visit amyjomartin.com forward slash why not now. And while you're there, don't forget to sign up for my email newsletter for exclusive content and announcements. 
A big thanks to Rock Salt Music for all of the tunes by the talented John Coggins. And of course, a hat tip to Richard Gruer for editing and producing the show. I'll see you next time. And until then, why not now? Thank you.